Good day. I hope everybody's having a wonderful and blessed day. Everyone had a wonderful and blessed week. Welcome to another edition of Cross Faith Bible Ministries. Bible studies will be covering Matthew 27 verses 51 through 66 today. So we'll be finishing up chapter 27 in the Gospel of Matthew. And the title of today's lesson is The Death and Burial of Jesus Christ. But before we jump into today's lesson, let's go back and review what we've learned last week. Last week we seen where Jesus was mocked, Jesus was beaten, Jesus was crucified, and we ended last week's lesson where Jesus dies on the cross. And we had said last week, we ended with Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Then he said, it is finished. But the key we had said last week was that Jesus crying out in a loud voice, if you remember. Now, was Jesus crucified? Yes, he was. Did Jesus die because of crucifixion? No, he did not. Right? And we know he did not because he cried out in a loud voice. You see, when people were crucified, when you are crucified, you die by suffocation. And people that are crucified and die by suffocation, the longer the crucifixion goes, the weaker you get. So the softer you speak until you can't speak anymore because you're gasping for air. You're trying to breathe. But we don't see that with Jesus. We see that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, which signifies this. Was Jesus crucified? Yes, he was, but he did not die by crucifixion. Well, then what did he die from? He died from your sins and my sins. He died because it was the Father's will for him to go into the cross so we can have a chance to be redeemed, so we can have a chance to be in the kingdom of heaven with him. So we see that Jesus died because of the sins of the world. The Father laid everything upon Jesus at that cross at Calvary. So we see that Jesus, yes, he did die, but he didn't die because of the crucifixion. He died because of the love that he has for humanity. He died because of all, he wants all of humanity to be saved, to be redeemed, to be lifted up into the eternal kingdom of heaven. Amen. So open up your Bibles to Matthew 27, and let's begin with verse 51 today. And again, the title of today's lesson is the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. So starting in verse 51, verse 51 says this, at the moment, the curtain of the sanctuary, some of your Bibles might say temple, was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, the rocks split. And the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had been asleep were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city, and they appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. And they said, surely... He, meaning Jesus, was the Son of God. And many women were there, watching from a distance. 
They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, who himself became a, a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and he asked Pilate for Jesus' body. And Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Then Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in, clean, in a clean white linen cloth. And he placed it in the new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. And he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and he went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary was sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. And they said, Sir, we remember that while he, meaning Jesus, was alive, that deceiver said, After three days he will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he is raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate said. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went. And they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So let's go back to verse 51 in today's lesson. Verse 51 starts off and it says, at that moment. Now, this is leading us and telling us that we need to pay attention because something very, very important is fixing to happen. So at that moment, the curtain, some of your Bibles might say the veil. Now this curtain or this veil separated the holy place from the holy of holies. You see, only the high priests can go into the holy of holies once a year. And what they would do is they would lift up the sins to God of the nation of the people of Israel. But they can only go into the holy of holies, into that sanctuary, the most holy place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And they would do that once a year on Yom Kippur. So we see something very important in this scripture. Look at what the scripture tells us, that this curtain of the sanctuary, some of your Bibles might say temple, but really what it should say is sanctuary because it's the most holy place in the temple itself. It's one particular room. It's called the Holy of Holies. So we see that the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, the holy place called the Holy of Holies, when it split in two, when that veil, when that curtain split, it was left wide open for the entire people that was there. Basically, what that says is this, the entire world can now go directly to God through his son, Jesus. 
See, the only way to get to God is through Jesus because John 14, 6 tells us that. Jesus said in John 14, 6 that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one goes to the Father but through me, he's saying. And this is just backing up what Jesus was saying earlier when Jesus said that. That I am the way and the truth and the life. And the only way to get to the Father is through me. This right here, God is showing us right here. Now the world has direct access through him, through his son Jesus. That's why it's very important that each day we repent of our sins. That we have a relationship with Jesus. That we know Jesus. That we listen to that small inner voice that Jesus speaks to us about through the Holy Spirit. Through that advocate that he left for us. Right? When he went to be with the Father. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is always with us. The Holy Spirit is near. It's never far. It's near. All we need to do is reach out to the Holy Spirit. We need to talk to him. We need to sit down and listen. We need to pray. That's why it's very important. We do that every, every day. Because as humans, we sinners. And we sin daily. Maybe not even knowing that we're sinning, but we sin daily. And that's why we should seek God in prayer every morning and repent of our sins daily. Because the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus by repentance, having a relationship with him. Amen. So we see here that the veil torn. Now what's important about this veil is that this veil was very, very thick. And it was made of, of several thick materials. And it would almost be impossible to tear. But, but look who tore it. See, it wasn't man. It was God that, that tore it. And but you see, it tells us this, that nothing is impossible for God. Because where it says, when it's split from top to bottom, you know what that's telling us here? The scripture's telling us that it was done by God from heaven. Then look what else the scripture tells us. It says that the earth shook and the rocks split. Now, in the Bible, when it references earthquakes, it is talking about everyone. It is talking about everything on this earth. So it simply means that this has worldwide implications. So in other words, it should matter to everyone. It matters to all of humanity. That's what the scripture is telling us here. Verse 52, and the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had been asleep were raised to life. So this word here, asleep, right? Understand that when someone dies, their body, their flesh is dead. But their soul goes on to live. And there's one of two places where your soul goes on to live. And that's either paradise. Remember what Jesus told the thief on the cross, right? When, when the last three hours of being on that cross, it was on that cross for six hours. And the last three hours, what did, did the thief that was mocking Jesus before, there was one on the left and one on the right. But, but three hours into it, the thief on the right had a change of heart. And what he tells Jesus, he says, remember me right before they die. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? He said, today you will be with me where? Jesus said, in what? Paradise. See, the thief had repented. That was his way of repenting. 
And Jesus knew that. And Jesus accepted that. But Jesus says, you, you're going to be with me where today? In paradise. So there's one or two places you go on when you die. Yeah, your body, your flesh is dead, but your soul lives on forever. See, the Bible says it is appointed to man to die once, then what? You face judgment. And when you die, either the angels are going to come and grab you and enter and, and, and walk you away and bring you away into paradise. Or you're going to have demons that come and take you and usher you in into Hades. Into what we know as hell. Where there's torment. Where there's torture. So there's, there's really one of two places where you're going. There, there's, there's nowhere in between. Right? And how do I know that? Well, let's look at the example of the rich man in the Gospel of Luke. Right? There's the rich man and the beggar. And in Luke, it says this right here. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores. You see, Lazarus probably had leprosy in. Right? And he was covered with sores all over his body and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died. And look what it says. The angels carried him into Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. But in hell, where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him. He said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is confronted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, you have a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. And I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to tell them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So we see in the gospel of Luke right here that there's a rich man, Lazarus. I mean, there's a rich man and there's this beggar named Lazarus who was poor, who didn't have anything, who had leprosy, didn't have nothing. But Lazarus had a heart. Lazarus knew God. Lazarus repented. Lazarus lived righteous. And because of that, when he died, the angels came and took him to paradise. But the rich man who lived for the world, who lived for material things, who didn't know God, who didn't have a relationship with God, who was selfish, who was prideful, he went where? He went into Hades, into torment. 
And he says it right here, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in torment here. So we see here just this story here in the gospel of Luke tells us that when you die, you go one of two places. You either go into paradise, you go into heaven as we know it, and you're living with Jesus, you're worshiping with Jesus, or you're going to be in torment. You're going to be in hell. Verse 53. So they come out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So we see that these bodies of believers were raised from the dead. Going back to verse 52. And now we see that they come out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection. Right? So it was Jesus' death on the cross that gave them life. Now understand that they didn't come out of the tombs until after Jesus' resurrection. That's what the scripture tells us. And why is that? Because the apostle Paul says that Jesus has, has preeminence, right, over all things. He was the firstborn of the dead. And look what else the scripture says. They went out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city, and they appeared to many people. So we see here that these dead bodies, after Jesus is resurrected, these dead bodies are also re resurrected, and, and they appear to many people throughout the holy city of Jerusalem. When the centurion, verse 54, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, and they seen all that was happening, they were terrified, and they said, surely he was the son of God. Now, this centurion, he's a high-ranking Roman official. He's probably over 100 people to 999. That's what a centurion was. He had great, great responsibility. So you might say, why was he there at this crucifixion? Because this was his job. He was in charge of supervising this. He was responsible for watching over this crucifixion. So we see that when all these things are happening, they're terrified at what's taking place. Now, I want you to understand this. This centurion had witnessed probably thousands and thousands of crucifixions before this one. But what he saw, what he had seen, and what he had witnessed Jesus crying out in a loud voice, right? People being raised from the dead, this earthquake happening, the veil being torn in two in the Holy of Holies. He says, and he knows, surely this man, meaning Jesus Christ, was the son of God. So we see here that even the Romans knew that Jesus was the son of God, amen? Verse 55, many women were there watching from a distance and they had followed Jesus from the Galilee to care for his needs. Now, many women were there. So why were are women being mentioned here in scripture? Remember what we said, when women in scripture are mentioned, especially in a major role like this, this changes the context. And what is emphasizing here is that it is speaking and is emphasizing about redemption. And the writer wants us to understand 
that this was the redemption of the world. It points to Jesus being the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, being our Savior, being our Redeemer. Amen. And look what it says, that they were watching from a distance and they had followed Jesus from the Galilee to care for his needs. Now, the word Galilee here tells us something. Why is this mentioned? It's for the purpose to reveal something. If you remember, we're going back to a couple of months ago in our scripture where it says Jesus was in Galilee, from Galilee, right? That means to reveal something. So the women here revealed that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is our Redeemer. So we see that these women were also assisting and walking, following, being disciples of Jesus also. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee's sons. So we see here that these people are following. They're witnessing all that is going on with Jesus. But we also see here a testimony. We see here that Jesus laid down his life. But we are going to see that this one, Jesus, will be also raised from the dead signifying the kingdom hope that all people have by faith in what he has accomplished. Verse 57, as evening approached, there came a rich man named Joseph from Arimathea who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. So when evening came, now in Hebrew, evening simply means a time after the afternoon that goes on until sunset. So we had said last week or a couple of weeks ago that according to Jewish tradition and the Jewish calendar, a new day starts at sunset. Now, why is that important right here? It's important because we know that Jesus died on Passover. Preparation day means Passover. And preparation day, what do we mean by preparation day? They're preparing the lambs to be what? Slain. And we know that Jesus came as the slain lamb. And Jesus died at three o'clock in the afternoon, the same time that all of the lambs throughout the nation of Israel were also slain. <clears throat> so we know that Jesus gave up his spirit in mid-afternoon at about three. So what this scripture is telling us here is right before sunset, this man, a very wealthy man, Joseph from Arimathea, right? He's also a disciple of Jesus. He comes to Jesus. So we see here that Jesus dies at three. So this man comes right before sunset. Now sunset represents a new day. And that new day would be the first day of Nisan, which would be on the 15th day of the month. Now that's important. Because Jesus died on preparation day on Passover. <clears throat> now, Joseph, he comes and he, he's a disciple of Jesus. Now, what do, we man, what do we know about this rich man, Joseph, from Arimathea? Well, Scripture tells us right here he's very wealthy. But we also know this, not in this gospel, but if you look at the gospel of Luke in chapter 23, he's mentioned there again. And we see in the gospel of Luke in chapter 23 that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, when we think of the Sanhedrin, we think that all of the Sanhedrin was against Jesus. But that isn't necessarily true. 
because there were two men that were from the Sanhedrin that became disciples of Jesus. And here's one of them, Joseph of Arimathea. And the other one, as we're going to find out in the Gospel of John when we study it, is called Nicodemus, right? See, they didn't agree with the Jewish leadership. <clears throat> they didn't agree with the Sanhedrin. See, this is what the Sanhedrin did. The Sanhedrin, when they voted on something, let me give you an example. Let's say you have 13 uh, people, like a crew, right? And they vote on something. Seven votes yes, six votes no. Well, it passed by a slight majority. But what the Sanhedrin did to make the people think that all of the Sanhedrin agreed the same, even though it was a 7-6 majority by one vote, they just called it unanimous. They said all of us voted this way. So we see here that Joseph, and we're going to find out in the Gospel of John that Nicodemus, they didn't agree with the religious leaders. They were against the religious leaders when it came to the situation about Jesus. They became disciples of Jesus. They began <clears throat> to, to follow Jesus and ask Jesus questions, as we're going to find out in the Gospel of John, especially Nicodemus, because he comes to Jesus at night, the Bible tells us, right? So we see that the Scripture tells us that this man, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, he had become a disciple himself. So we see in the same way that Nicodemus believed in Jesus, we can say that this man, Joseph of Arimathea, also was a follower and believed in Jesus. Verse 58, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. So we see that this man, Joseph, goes to Pilate, and he's going to ask for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. So we see here that he's not only a disciple of Jesus, but he's also acting on behalf of Jesus. Because we also see here that there's going to be an emphasis on the next three or four scriptures about the body of Jesus. And why is that important? Because we're going to find out in a week or two, in chapter 28, that we're going to be speaking about the resurrection of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see here in verse 59 that Joseph takes the body. So Pilate agrees to let him take the body. And Joseph takes the body and he wrapped it in a white linen, clean cloth. Now, that's very, very important because we know that this white, clean cloth is going to play a very important role in the resurrection of the body of Jesus. Amen? So we see that once he has Jesus' body, he takes possession of it, he wraps it in a linen cloth, and we will see in our studies to come that this plays a very, very important role in the resurrection. Verse 60, he placed it in his own new tomb that had been cut out of rock. And he rolled the big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and he went away. So here in Matthew's gospel, it doesn't tell us but Joseph also had help with this. Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, we said that a little while ago, a couple of minutes ago, who came to Jesus by night 
because he believed that Jesus was truly the son of God. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now he is publicly showing his faith in helping this man, Joseph, moving Jesus's body into this new tomb cut out of a rock. So this man, Nicodemus, let's talk a little bit about him. He was referred to as the teacher during his time. And this simply means that basically you can say that he was the main teacher, the number one teacher, if you want to say. He was very good. He was very popular. He was very wise. He knew the law inside and out among the religious leaders. He knew the scriptures in detail, but you're going to find out when we study him in the Gospel of John that he didn't quite understand what Jesus was teaching and what Jesus was saying. See, we, we always say this. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to what? To add to it. He came for us to make sense of the law, right? So we're going to see that Nicodemus was confused, but we know that Nicodemus was a follower of Jesus. We also see here in this scripture that there was a, this new tomb that Jesus was laid in. So no one had been laid in this tomb before. And we know that this tomb was, was in, engraved or carved into a rock. So there's only one way in and only one way out. And this man, Joseph, had purchased this tomb, had made this tomb particularly for himself. But now because he's a follower of Jesus and he acted on it, he wants Jesus's body and he puts Jesus's body in this tomb that he had made for himself. And we see that after they put Jesus's body in the tomb, they wipe Jesus's body, they wrap it in white linen cloth. They depart the tomb and before they depart the tomb, they roll a big stone in front of it. Verse 61, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. So now we see a switch from Joseph to women. And remember, women... When, when women is mentioned in the Bible, they play a very important role. And remember that important role, which we're going to learn in, in chapter 28. They were the first ones to go to the tomb on Sunday. It was these women, right? So this is to remind us that whenever women is, is mentioned, it's, it's, it's in a focal passage of the Bible. It's, it's speaking about redemption. And that's important. So we can say that Women is related to what? Redemption in the Bible. So we see that he died for our redemption. And we're going to see that he will be raised from the dead for our redemption. Amen? So scripture tells us that they were sitting there opposite the tomb. Now opposite means across from. So they were witnessing everything that had happened. They witnessed the crucifixion. They were there when Joseph asked for Pilate's body. They saw it with all their desire. Now, what was that desire? See, even though Joseph and Nicodemus, according to the gospel of Luke, prepared Jesus' body, they put it in the tomb, right? Which signifies sealing it. We know something. You see that women watched this because of something and Luke Gospel emphasizes this, that when they put Jesus in this tomb, it still was preparation day. 
It wasn't. It was right before sunset. Remember, sunset starts a new day, and that's very important in Jewish culture. And there's another term for Passover, and it's preparation day. And they were. This signifies that they were preparing Jesus' body to stick him in that tomb. And we know that these women, right? They were the first to get to the tomb to witness the empty tomb that Jesus had already been what? Resurrected. So we say that women represents what? Redemption. They witness all of this. They were opposite the tomb because they see these two men, Joseph and Nicodemus, preparing Jesus' body for burial. They putting them in that grave, in that tomb. They rolling that stone in front. But these women, which represents redemption, they go to the tomb on Sunday. And what, what do they witness? The empty tomb, which signifies that Jesus had risen from the dead. Redemption. What did Jesus die for? For our redemption. For you and me to be saved. To know God through him. To repent to him, through him, to God. So it's all about repentance. It's all about relationship. It's all about knowing God so we can be redeemed, so we can live in the eternal kingdom of heaven. Amen? Verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day. So here it is. The, the scripture tells us. It's the next day, after preparation day. The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. So we see that these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they go to Pilate because they're concerned about something. Now, understand that everyone at this time would be observing now the 15th day of Nisan, right? It'll be the first day of unleavened bread, first day of the month, which is the 15th day of Nisan. That's what they're doing here. So a lot of people would be at their home. They wouldn't be at the temple, right? In other words, the festival happened yesterday. The crucifixion happened yesterday is what they're thinking. So now today's a more of a laid back day because they prepared the lamb yesterday to eat it today. You see? So there wouldn't be a whole lot of things going on. And because of that, the religious leaders and the Sanhedrin, they're concerned about something. And what that is, well, look at verse 63. They go to Pilate and they say, sir, so we see here that they respected Pilate, but they didn't respect Jesus, who was the son of the living God. We remember that while he, he meaning Jesus, was still alive, that deceiver. So they emphasize here that Jesus has died. So there's no question whatsoever that Jesus died upon that cross. We know that he died. But look what they also, they call Jesus a deceiver. How awful is that? How pitiful and it's disrespectful, to, you know? But they say this, after three days, he said, he will rise again. So they are concerned that something's going to take place. And what are they concerned about? Look at verse 54. So they give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead and this last deception will be worse than the first. So we see here that, that the, some, some, some of these religious leaders, 
that's there with Pilate. They ask for Pilate to secure the tomb. In other words, they think in their mind that some of Jesus' disciples is going to go into that tomb, roll back the stone, and take Jesus' body from the grave and bring it somewhere else. Make people think that Jesus rose from the grave. That's what they're afraid of. And, and because of that, they say this last deception will be worse than the first. Now, what was the first? The first was when Jesus said that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the Redeemer. See, they didn't believe this. And they were concerned that if the disciples go into there, remove, roll back the stone, remove the body, that the entire Jewish community would have believed that Jesus rose from the grave. And because they, they, they would witness this and they would believe this, that they would rebel against the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders and they would lose all their power. So look what happens in verse 65. Pilate says, take a guard. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know. So Pilate sends a guard with them to secure that tomb in order that no one would remove Jesus' body. Verse, 50, verse 66, last verse for today. So they went. And they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and putting a guard on the outside. So putting a seal on the tomb, that simply means this, that Pilate made it a law that if anybody touched this tomb, rolled back this stone, that you would now be breaking Caesar's law. And breaking the law would be penalty of death by crucifixion. So we see here that not only they had a Roman guard stand outside the tomb, but now they put a seal on it. They made it a law that if anybody touched this tomb, it was a threat is what they were doing. They were scaring people. If you touch this tomb, you will be put to death. So according to them and what they did, there was no way for anyone to remove Jesus' body. In other words, they put this Roman guard outside. He's guarding the tomb. They, they made Pilate put, put a seal on it, according to Caesar's law, that if anybody touched this stone and rolled it back, that you would be put to death by crucifixion. See, according to them, there's no way possible now that Jesus' body can be removed. But you see, it doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter what man does. Because we know that Jesus is almighty, that Jesus is a miracle worker, that Jesus is in control. And we see this by his resurrection that we're going to get into next week in chapter 28 in the gospel of Matthew. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing for someone this week. We appreciate you all. God bless. Amen.